Block KC, how are we doing tonight? There we go. Hey, like Grant said, my name is Nick Swearingen. And guys, I am thrilled to be here with you tonight uh, talking about relationships. Uh, just a little bit about me. I'm the director of the Block KC. Um, and I'm just, guys, like Grant said, the Block is all about helping young adults build their lives on what matter. And what is the th one of the things that matters more to young adults than relationships, right? And so if you are here and you are either single or you're dating or you're married, you're in the right room because that's everyone. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. Like Grant said, we're going to be talking about save the date. And that's what we're discussing. We're talking about how can we have a good hope for marriage in life. How can we do that? But before we talk about any of that, I want to tell you guys a little story about how I got my motorcycle license. And you guys are probably thinking, what on earth does that have to do with relationships? Like typical guy move, talking about motorcycles already. Um, but I got my motorcycle license at a JUCO class, which is really fun. And as I was taking it, the guy who was instructing, he was a police officer. And so he was pretty no-nonsense when it comes to motorcycles. He's like, hey, why does everyone want to ride a motorcycle? And I'm like, uh, you know, it's kind of fun. Like, it seems pretty free. You can go fast. He's like, wrong. It's to get from point A to point B. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, no, he's actually awesome. Um, but the reality is, as he, as he uh, was going through the class, there was the whole, like, drunk driving portion of it, you know, where they, like, pull out those goggles, and they're like, hey, I need someone to come walk a straight line. And I'm like, oh, that's me. I want to be that guy because I'm a guy. And so challenges are like naturally like, yes, that's me. I'm going to conquer this line in a way that has never been done before. I'm going to be perfect at it. And so I stand up and I'm, you know, like feeling all good about myself. And I line up on the line. But instantly I'm transported in my mind five years earlier to my fraternity where the police had just come for good reasons. Don't worry. And they had just come to teach us about the dangers of drunk driving. And they had just given about eight 19 to 20-year-olds drunk goggles and were letting them run loose around the house. And you can imagine the chaos of eight 19 to 20-year-olds stampeding around a house. And guys are, like, crashing into each other. Couches are falling over. Things are falling off the walls. We are laughing our minds off, right? Like, people are losing teeth. And we're like, it doesn't matter. They'll grow back. Some of you guys, that's not how that works. No one lost a tooth, unfortunately. Would have been funnier. Uh, dentists hate that. Uh, but I'm thinking of this as I'm getting ready to do this line test. And I just start laughing. He goes, is this funny to you? I'm like, no, no. This is not funny. This is serious. And I start going. And then I laugh because I stumble. And I laugh again. And he's like, I thought this wasn't funny. And I'm like, no, sir. You're right. It's not funny. And I'm trying to wobble. And it, like, I stumble my way through it. I don't do it perfectly because I'm laughing and I'm also off balance. And so it doesn't matter. But it's hilarious. But guys, I, I, you know, I figured it would just be funnier if you guys could see what I'm talking about. So I need four volunteers to come up on stage. Let, let me have some volunteers. Come on. I will call on people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one right there. Here's one. Yeah, right over there. There's one. Get on up here. Hey, one girl. Come on. Represent, ladies. Come on. Come on, one more. Hey, there we go. Right over here. Let's do it. All right, we've got a little bit of a, uh, little bit of a contest for you guys. So I have, on loan from the Lenexa Police Department, shout out to them, uh, some goggles that I think that will be really fun for you guys. Everyone give it up for all of our contestants. They were great sports. We'll figure out what the prize is. It might be a Starbucks gift card with $0 on it on accident. 
Just kidding. We'll get something good. But guys, the, the thing that's a challenge about that is that these things, when you put them on, you cannot see what you're shooting for, right? And the world around you is distorted, and it's really difficult. And it's hilarious when it's people on stage or when it's fraternity guys stampeding around hallways losing teeth. But it's not as funny when our ability to see clearly the goal for relationships is distorted, right? And so the, the reality is, is that a lot of people in this world have a distorted view of what God says about marriage, about love, and about sex. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is how do we get back to that view? Because the reality is, is that society, guys, we're just, we're not doing it well. So the crude divorce rate right now, according to the CDC, is 45%. I mean, it's 45% of all divorces end in marriage. Let that sink in for a moment. 45%. Yeah, what did I say? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, guys, 43% of those are due to a lack of commitment, which means that at any point, that marriage ends because the people just decide, I'm not in it anymore. Or 28% are due to infidelity, which means someone cheated on someone, which if you guys have experienced that, it's awful and it hurts. Uh, or 22% is due to money, which means a fifth of all marriages, the reason why they end is due to financial issues. And so it's pretty clear that, like, man, society is not moving the right direction in terms of what we're doing. Uh, there's this new thing called cohabitation, right? Like the troll try before you buy thing. Like that kind of seems like a good idea almost, right? It's like, oh, what if, I, what if I just live with the person before I get married? That way we test it out and that seems like it'll work. And that's a new thing. People are 80 times more likely to cohabitate now to live with the person before they get married than they were 50 years for, uh, ago, 50 years ago. And it actually, in the first year, it actually does increase your chances of staying married. And then after that, it doubles the rate of divorce. And it's like, oh, maybe that's not a good idea. But, but it seems like it is, and everyone says that it is. So what's happening? Even the idea of dating in general has only been around for about 100 years. And so it's clear that our culture is getting these new ideas about, hey, this is how we should do relationships. And this is what we should do. But we're increasingly getting worse at it. And we're increasingly find more and more heartbreak is happening. And honestly, in this room, that's just society. In this room, I don't think I'd have to go very far to find someone who's been hurt in a relationship, to find someone who's had heartache or pain or regret because of the way that they've done relationships in the past. And those are just things that we've all experienced. And guys, no one goes into a marriage thinking like, yeah, I want this to end in a divorce. Right? Like people don't, people don't think that. That's not what, no one plans to end in failure. And if they do... What on earth? Like, the, there's no goal in mind. And, and I don't, but my goal for tonight is not just that you guys don't get divorced, right? Like, that's not a, that's like just such a minimum bar of what a marriage can be. My goal is that you all would be able to experience relationships in a way that is just incredibly amazing and just mind-blowing and something that's like, I can't even imagine how amazing this is. And that's what we want here at the block that's what we want to see happen, and we believe that that's possible if we shoot for God's plan. So tonight we're going to be talking about God's plan for love, sex, and marriage. What is God's initial plan for love, sex, and marriage? There's a preview of what we're going to be going over, so I'm going to walk you guys through exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about God's initial plan and design. 
We're going to talk about the fact that we have a distorted view, just like these goggles, right? We've got a distorted view of what the goal of relationships is and how to do them. And we're going to talk about how do we save the date. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then we're going to get started. Uh, God, I'm just, I'm grateful for this room. God, thank you that we can have some fun. God, thank you that we can uh, get together and learn about what your word is. God, and I'm just, I am grateful that you care about us so deeply that you would design something as amazing as marriage and love. Um, but God, I, I pray that you would help us to see where we have distorted vision. God, would you challenge us through your word? Uh, God, would you give us hope that we can get to a great place, God, where we can have the goal of having great and amazing marriages and love. Uh, so God, we're just grateful that all this is possible for you. Um, God, I pray that I would say everything clearly as I should. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to be talking tonight from Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And if you are not familiar with the Bible, you are in the right place. Uh, we do not expect you to know anything about God's word. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to have you stop by the connect table. If you leave, it's to the left out there. If you're heading out these doors, we would love to get you one on your way out. Uh, honestly, God's word is incredible. But if you've never read it before or if you don't have a lot of confidence in handling it, you're in the right place. Uh, we're just going to walk through it together. We're going to talk about what it means. And so I'm really excited. Uh, so all you really need to know at the point of the story that we're picking up is that God has just created everything. So Genesis 1 is the beginning of the Bible. And God said, let there be light. And then he created everything else. And he says, it's good. And then he creates humans. Specifically, he creates Adam, the first man. And he says, that's very good. And he gives Adam a job. He puts them in this paradise. It's amazing. This amazing tropical garden paradise. And he says, Adam, I want you to take care of it. And your only job is to be a gardener and enjoy the world. And so that's where we're picking up. Okay? So what happens is Genesis 2.18 says this. So God has said, right, everything's good. Humans are very good. And then he says, the Lord God said, it is not good. For the man to be alone. I will make a companion for him who corresponds to him. So God looks at Adam. He says, man, Adam's trying to do this by himself. He's like, he's trying to do this role of being a gardener and taking care of the earth. God had actually said, be fruitful and fill the earth. And Adam's like, uh, I, I can't do that by myself. Hey, if you don't know where babies come from, you're in the wrong place. Uh, go back to high school health class. Actually, go back and ask your parents because they should have told you. Um, but so that's what's going on right now. And, and Adam's like, okay, how do I do this? I've got this task that's impossible for me to fulfill. But God says, okay, the Lord God formed out of the ground every living animal of the field and every bird of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man named all the animals, the birds of the air, and the living creatures of the field. But for Adam, no companion who corresponds to him was found. So what's happening here, right? Like, Adam, or Adam is standing there and God's like, I'm going to bring you all the animals and you're going to see if there's someone that can help you out as you're fulfilling this task. And he's like going through and he's naming all the animals. He's like, okay, rhino, giraffe, platypus, dog, love that one, cat, no, <laughs> crocodile, sweet, but not helpful, right? And all these things are moving and Adam's like, man, none of these are going to be a good companion for me. The dog's great, but it's not a good companion. Can't really help with gardening too much. Someone's going to email me about that later. <laughs> and so what does God do? So the Lord God caused the man to fall in a deep sleep. And while he was asleep, he took part of the man's side and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the part he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So God puts Adam to sleep, and he takes some of his side, 
and he creates it into a woman. And he wakes Adam up, and what you have here is the first marriage. And that God brings Eve to Adam, and this is the first marriage. It's the first time that Adam sees Eve, and he's actually ecstatic. He breaks out into song. That if you see the, the, the strange paragraphing, that's because Adam is singing or is reciting poetry. It says, then the man said, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and unites with his wife, and they become one family. The man and his wife are both naked, but they are not ashamed. And this brings us to our first point, that God's plan for love, sex, and marriage is that God designed marriage to be purposeful. So back up in verse 18, God says it's not good for man to be alone. And he's like, I'm going to design a companion for him. So he creates Eve, and that's his answer. He says, God has this, this mission for Adam, and he wants Adam to have a partner. And so he creates marriage. And the first thing we see that marriage is not about, you know, feeling good. It's not about, like, like crazy romance. It's not about just watching Netflix every night. It's about accomplishing a purpose that God has given us, which that's pretty good, right? I think it would be good for all of us to say that we have purpose in life. That would be something that, that's nice. But it goes even farther than that. And this is where it starts getting good, right? God designed relationships to be joyful. In verse 23, Adam breaks out and he says, man, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And he's singing. He's celebrating. If you know that a guy starts singing and reciting love poetry, like he's gone. You know what I'm saying? He's in love. And he's celebrating. He sees Eve for the first time and he breaks out singing. People don't do that unless they're really happy. You know, you guys are all going to be going through your buddy's Spotify later. Like, what's he listening to? Is he gone? But guys, it's an amazing thing, right, that God created marriage to be joyful. God created marriage to be joyful. Check out how Proverbs 18.22 says it. The one who has found a good wife has found what goodness is and obtained a delightful gift from the Lord. It's not even just like a, oh, this is a helpful partner to go through life. It's like, man, this is delightful. This is incredible. The words there that are used is something that is just like pleasing and enjoyable and amazing. And that's what God wants marriage to be. He wants it to be this purposeful thing, but also this thing that's exciting and it's joyful and it's amazing. And the final point is that God designed sex to be pure. Oh, wait, there's another one there. Uh, all generous giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or slightest hint of change. Right, so everything that's good is coming down from the same God that said, let there be light. Everything good comes from the same God. That brings us to the next point. God designed sex to be pure within marriage and without shame. So this is one that our culture gets wrong so often, is that everyone thinks, man, sex is this thing that's supposed to make me feel good. And if it helps the other person out, I guess that's okay. And that's kind of what's like, hey, it's about me first. The Bible says that it's actually this thing that is a gift for husbands to love their wives and for wives to love their husbands. See, there's this brain chemical called oxytocin that when an, a husband and a wife have sex, it bonds them together. And it's this like rush of intense feeling and it actually glues them together. And that's why it says in the Bible, they unite and they become one family. And it helps them fall more in love and it helps them love each other even more and just get excited to be one an around one another and to be comfortable with one another. And that's what it was designed for. The Bible says it like this, a husband should fulfill his marital responsibility to his wife and likewise a wife to her husband. It is not the wife who has the rights to her own body, but the husband. In the same way, it's not the husband who has the rights to his own body, but the wife. And so what we see here is God saying, hey, sex is not for you. It is for a husband to serve his wife 
and a wife to serve her husband, right? Like that's, and it's this amazing giving thing because it's not self-focused. But that's so far from what our culture says. That is the opposite. But we see that God has designed marriage to be this purposeful thing that's full of joy and full of giving and full of sacrifice. And they're loving each other and they're putting each other first as they're going through this mission. And that sounds awesome, right? Like that's like, man, that's, that's pretty cool. Like they're not even wearing clothes because they're just bare before each other. But there's no shame. There's no shame between each other because they're intimate and they're close and it's perfect. And guys, this is important for us to think about because we need to believe that God cares about your love life more than you do. God cares about your love life more than you do. I'm going to say this, God cares about your sex life more than you do. And guys, I don't say that to be edgy or to try to push the boundary, but I say that because we have to believe that God wants what's good for us in a way that we can't even fully comprehend. Because if I don't believe that God has got my best interest, I'm going to probably go somewhere else. And I'm probably going to do things my own way. And so we have to believe that God has this amazing and joyful and purposeful plan for us in marriage. And that's what he designed it to be. I mean, if you think about it, God is the one who designed all of this. God's the one who put it together. But if we think that he's trying to hold out on us, we're going to go do our own way. We're going to go do whatever we want. Right? And so I know what you guys are thinking, like, man, Nick, a marriage like that, that sounds incredible. One that's purposeful and full of joy and full of love. But uh, I don't know which world you're living in because that's not it. Like, that does not happen. Uh, that's like, you know, cheesy Hallmark movie, maybe, even if that. Thanks for you for a couple of chuckles on that one. But guys, we have to realize that the world is not the way it should be. Because I don't, we don't experience marriages like that. Maybe you've seen a parent's marriage and it's like, man, it's not that. Or maybe you've been in a relationship yourself in various forms and it's like, man, I, I, hmm, we were not moving towards that. So that brings us to our second point. Sin has distorted our view of love and sex and marriage. So Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, they're in this paradise, and they're working it, they're taking care of it, they're being good gardeners, they're married, it's purposeful, it's awesome, it's exciting, and check out what happens. Now the serpent was shrewder than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, is it really true that God said you must not eat from any tree of the orchard? So, so Satan rolls up, he's disguised as a snake, and he tells Eve, he says, hey, is it really true that God said don't eat from any of those trees? And it, Eve's like, no, that's 100% not true. She says, the, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit from the trees of the orchard, but concerning the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the orchard, God said, you must not eat from it and you must not touch it or else you will die. So Eve's like, no, we can eat from whatever trees we want to. Apple tree, that's ours. Banana tree, that's ours. Strawberry tree, that's our, I don't know what strawberries grow on, actually. Like, grape tree? Do grapes grow? I think vines. But basically, she's saying that all of the trees, right, everything is theirs. But there's this one tree that God did ask them to not eat from. And it's this tree called the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, hey, I don't want you to eat from that tree. Because if you choose to do that, you're choosing to define good and evil how you want. You're trying to do it your way. And God had to give them a choice because like any relationship, love is always a choice, right? And God wanted Adam and Eve to choose him and his path. But he's like, I'm not going to force them into it, right? They've got to want me. 
But the temptation that you see Satan's going after is like, hey, does God really care? And you see where the goggles start to come in. See, the serpent said to the woman, surely you will not die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Which is honestly a flat-out lie. God's, this is not what happens, as we're going to see. Because this is the first sad thing that happens. It says, the woman saw the tree produce fruit that was good for food and was attractive to the eye and was desirable for making one wise. She took some of its fruit and she ate it. She also gave some of it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them opened and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So Satan says, hey, Eve, just give it a shot. And she does, and that's the first sad thing, is that she chooses to define good and evil her way. And she rejects this good plan that God had for her. And she says, I'm going to try my own way. And the second thing that's sad is like, I mean, where's Adam in this whole thing? He's not telling Satan, like, hey, get out of here, leave my wife alone. He's just standing there, doing nothing. He's not reminding her of the goodness that God has. He's just, okay, whatever. And, and they eat, and it says that the eyes of both of them were opened. And when it says that, it means that they see the potential for evil, right? Because before this, everything had been paradise. Everything had been good. But all of a sudden, everything that they could do wrong is now filling their minds. And all the ways that they could hurt each other, those are now possibilities that were not there beforehand. And all of the ways that they can go against God's plan are now part of their lives. And the goggles come on. And everything's broken. There's consequences of this. God comes down. He says, what happened? What did you guys do? And they all start pointing fingers at each other. They're like, hey, it was her fault. It was his fault. I it wasn't me. And you see already, like, they're already blaming each other. First thing that happens, the relationship has tension. It's broken. And God says, hey, there are consequences from choosing to define life how you want to. And choosing to define relationships how you want. This is what he tells the woman, hey, these are the consequences of Eve's actions. He says, to the woman, I will greatly increase your labor pains, and with pain you will give birth to children. You will want to control your husband, but he will dominate you. Which means that childbirth suddenly becomes painful, right? And relationships suddenly become broken. And if that seems intense, check out what he says to Adam. But to Adam, he said, because you obeyed your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. In painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. But because we eat the grain, of, uh, you will eat the grain of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. What's God saying there? He's saying, hey, to Eve, childbirth and relationships are going to be hard and painful. And to Adam, he says, work itself, the purpose that I created for you, is broken. The ground and the earth itself is now broken. And life itself is now broken. There's death now because of the consequences of what Adam chose to do. And death entered the world. And all of a sudden this amazing paradise and this amazing marriage is gone. Just like that. Just because they chose to define it how they wanted. And I know what you guys are, might be thinking. It's like, okay, thanks, Grandma and Grandpa. It's, you know, what does that have to do with me? But guys, this is the reality is that we have all distorted love, sex, and marriage. We have all distorted love, sex, and marriage in our minds. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Which means every single one of us at some point in our lives have chosen 
to say, God, I don't want your plan. I want to do my own thing because this is what's going to make me happy. And we put the goggles on and we can't see. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says like this, among whom the God of this age, that's referring to Satan, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so they would not see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God. That the same God who said, let there be light and created this amazing plan and guided us a path there. It's just like when you're wearing the goggles, right? It's like, I can't see the end. I can't see the trash can that I'm shooting for anymore. I don't know what I'm going after. And we start to stumble and we start to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go this way. And that's the goal, but we start stumbling and we trip and we fall. And guys, this leads to pain, right? This leads to heartache. We, we talked about the societal issues earlier, right, at the beginning. We talked about the fact that divorce is increasing, that the way that we are doing relationships is increasingly getting less and less good and is succeeding less and less. But I, w- I don't want to just talk about what's going on out there. I want to talk about what's going on in this very room. Right, because maybe you're here, and, and maybe you have chosen to pursue relationships in your own way. And maybe, maybe it's looked like this. Girls, maybe you end up giving yourself to a guy, you hook up with him because he says that he loves you, and then he leaves you. And it hurts. And you feel like something that was glued together was torn away. Or guys, maybe you're a serial dater and you... Try to hook up with whatever girls you can or get as close to you can emotionally. And you get closer and closer and you just put together, tear. Put together, tear. And you tear up your heart. And if you're honest with yourself, you know that it is slowly destroying your life. Or maybe you're just like, hey, who cares about other people? Right? Like, I'll just go straight for pornography. Like, I'm just going to do what I want. And you look for image after image and video after video for something that is going to make you satisfied. But it's never enough. And it leads to emptiness, and it never, ever leads to happiness. But it's just this pit that leads to shame and despair, and it's like, why do I feel so alone all the time? Guys, maybe it's not even physical, right? Maybe it's not the the sex that we have distorted. Maybe it's the joyful part. Maybe you have a crush on someone that you don't even know. Like, you're on Instagram, and you're like, if only this person would notice me. If only this famous person would notice me. If only this, this person at my work or in my social group would notice me, then I'd be happy. But we don't even know them. It's like I have no clue anything about them. I don't even know if they'd be a good spouse. But we think that it's going to make us happy, but it just leads to this loneliness and this heartache and this despair. Maybe you're married and you're here and your marriage is just full of fights and you just have conflict all the time. Or honestly, more likely, maybe it's just empty. And it's just like, man, it's just kind of stale. And it's not purposeful. And it's not joyful. And you're like, I kind of want to try something else. Because this just isn't it. And guys, that is so far from the plan that God has. Remember, it's purposeful and it's joyful and it's amazing and it's pure. And it's meant to last and to bond two people together and to create a family. And that's what it is. But we think, man, but I'm going to do it my own way. Maybe you're staying in a relationship that's abusive, and honestly, this person is using you. And guys, I want to take a moment to say, if that's you, please, please get out of that relationship. As hard as it will be, there will be a better way for you to find an identity. 
And if you think that the only way to feel loved is for someone to use you and abuse you, I am telling you, God loves you so much more than that. So much more than that. But guys, these are the heavy consequences of what happens when we choose to do relationships our way. And before you guys hear me saying like, hey, how dare you guys act like this? I am telling you guys this because this was me. Right? I have lived so much of my life trying to do relationships my way. I wanted to define what I wanted to do. So I treated girls however I wanted. Right? All my girlfriends, I was like, man, I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use them however I want to. And when I'm done, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I'm out. Won't talk to them. Ghost them. I'm off. Guys, I've spent a decade of my life being addicted to pornography, and it was empty, and it hurt, and it was awful. And I've had those crushes. It's like, man, if this person would just notice me. And honestly, guys, it feels awful. And if you're in this room, you know the heartache that that leads to. And you know the the risk of saying, hey, I've got this torch, right? I'm going to get as close to I can as holding it to another person, right? Because that's what we do. We think, man... I'm just going to push the boundary. I'm going to get as far as I can without getting hurt. It's like, man, you don't hold a torch up to someone. You put it in the fireplace where it provides warmth and comfort and light. And so it's like, man, Nick, cool. So you're telling me that there was this amazing paradise and we just lost it. And now we just have to live with it. And in a lot of ways, yes, I am saying that. We have all distorted love, sex, and relationships. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That the consequences of how we choose to define good and evil, of how we choose to define relationships ourselves, the consequences of that is death. But guys, I am telling you that there is one chance that you have to redeem this, and his name is Jesus. And that leads us to the final point, that Jesus can heal our perception of love and sex and marriage. That Jesus can heal it. And guys, how do I know? Because this was me. Because when I was 18 and when I was at the bottom of the barrel and thinking, man, no relationship has made me happy. I have this crippling addiction and I'm just, I'm at the end of my rope. I was reminded that someone taught me that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. And he was born. God looked at me and he said, Nick, you cannot do it. He looked at everyone in this room and he said, you can't do it alone. He says, you can't choose to go back to my plan. Everyone is defining it how they want. And he says, so I'm going to help them. I'm going to do it myself. And he came down and he lived a perfect life. And he died an excruciatingly painful death on a cross. We don't have crosses nowadays, so let me tell you what happens. Nails are driven through your wrists and through your ankles. And you pull yourself up as you try to suffocate to death. And it takes hours, sometimes days. And Jesus said, yes, that is the death that I'm looking for and walking towards. Because he saw the shame and he saw the hurt and he saw the consequences and the death that all of us were storing up for ourselves. And so if you have ever felt any of the things that I've described, or if you're like, man, that's me, right? Jesus died for you. And guys, when I decided that I was not going to live my own life the way that that I wanted to, but I was going to focus on Jesus, when I was going to turn away from living for myself and trusting him, everything had changed. And suddenly all the shame that I felt from mistreating ex-girlfriends 
was gone. And the ability to fight sin was gone. And I had a freedom to actually fight against the addiction that was tripling my life. And I found the ability to say no and to start to redefine the mind. And the goggles came off. And I was able to finally see again. And I could see what the target was that I was shooting for. And it was Jesus. That's the thing, though, the hole that we feel in our lives, I want to emphasize this enough. We are talking about marriage. We are talking about love. But the thing that will only satisfy us is Jesus himself and relationship with him. And I'm telling you guys, if you don't have that, I would encourage you guys to decide to make that decision tonight. Because that will satisfy any need that you have. And guys, it doesn't even stop there, right? It gets even better, right? I feel like a you know, salesman saying, but wait, there's more. And there is, because God wants us to be able to get back to this plan for marriage to be purposeful and joyful and pure. And so what does he say? Uh, okay, skip that, sorry. That Jesus can heal our perception. He says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness is the one who shined in our hearts to give us the light of the glorious knowledge of God in the face of Christ. The same God who said, let there be light can make light shine in our lives and he can take off the blinders. And he can let us see. And then he does the hard work. He says, do not be conformed to this present world. So don't look at anything the way society says or the way you want. But he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you may test and approve what the will of God is. What is good and well-pleasing and perfect. Guys, God's will for you is good and well-pleasing and perfect. But we have to see it like that. We have to start reminding ourselves of the fact God cares about my love life more than I do. And we have to start teaching ourselves that. Because if you wear these for a long time, it gets really hard to see straight when you take them off. And you feel disoriented and you feel nauseated. And the same thing is true. That if you have made the decision to follow Jesus or you do make that decision, you have to begin to train your mind to see the way that God wants. And you have to start looking at the prize and say, man, what am I shooting for? And so you start to trust God. And you start to say, all right, God, no matter what it costs, I'm going to do relationships your way. And if that gets you guys excited and you're like, all right, like, I'm ready, what do we do? Unfortunately, we're not talking about that tonight because that would be another couple hours. But we are talking about that in this series. We're going to be talking about in our Save the Date series, our next week is going to be talking about men, how do we be the kind of husband that's going to lead to us blessing our wives? And and ladies, you should show up to that one too because it's what kind of guy should I be looking for so I don't end up hurt? And the week after that, we're going to be talking about, ladies, how do we try to be that godly wife one day or now, depending on where you're at. And men, you should show up to that one. It's like, how do I find a girl? How do I find a guy that's going to lead to that partnership that I'm looking for and that joy? And then the last one's going to be, how do we practically date and how do we practically get married and how do we pursue healthy marriages? And I'm really excited for you guys to be able to experience that. And for you guys to come back for those things. Because I think that is genuinely going to be a huge blessing for each and every single one of us. Another easy practical that you can do is find someone with a marriage that matters. Find someone with a marriage that is focused on Jesus. Don't just find someone who's been married a long time. right? Don't just find someone who seems like they get to have a lot of fun trips together. Find someone who is a, a marriage that is passionately focused on Jesus. I am so grateful for the marriages that I have seen that have entirely renewed my mind of how I see it. Because it went from this thing that's like, man, why even get married? It's just going to lead to heartache and pain. To this thing that's like, no, it is purposeful. And it's joyful. And it's pure. And it's amazing. And we can go back to that. 
But I would encourage you guys, find someone who has that and learn from them. Ask them to show you everything about their life. The final thing is if, if, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, ask the person that invited you to say, how do I take a step closer? Or if you don't know how to grow in your relationship with God, ask one of the volunteers, ask someone who invited you again and say, please teach me how to know Jesus so that one day I can have this amazing relationship. And guys, like I said, my, our goal here is not just that you don't get a divorce one day or that you find healing from heartache. Our goal is that you have an amazing life that is focused on God. And if that includes marriage, that's awesome. And we want it to be just mind-blowingly amazing and purposeful. And we want it to be something that when people see your marriage, they think, wow, God is good. And I believe fully that he can do that because I've seen him do that time and time again. And so I know that he's in the business of doing that. But maybe you're just like, Nick, like, you don't understand. I don't deserve that. Because if you're like me, that's how you felt for a long time. Because that's how I felt. See, I grew up hearing about this. I grew up knowing that Jesus died for our sins. But I thought, but I don't deserve that. The things that I've done, it just, it's, it's, it's too bad. I've hurt too many people. I've been hurt too many times myself. And guys, if that's you, I'm telling you that Jesus died for you. Right? Jesus didn't come to heal the healthy, but he came to heal the sick. And he came to raise sinners to life. And so if you feel like you're too far gone and that you don't deserve a second chance and that you don't deserve God's grace or goodness or plan for you, I'm telling you that you do. Because God loves you so much more than you can imagine. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. And not that those things don't have consequences and not that they don't hurt. But I'm telling you guys, there is freedom from the shame and the pain and the heartache. And you can find true healing. And I'm telling you guys personally, it is possible. I'm telling you personally from my experience and from talking to so many other people. And so I just want to encourage you guys, focus on that. Focus on Jesus. Ask him to heal you and change your perception. Guys, because he's the only one that can heal our perception of love, sex, and marriage. And he can. And remember, guys, God created it to be amazing. But we have to renew our minds. We have to get back to that. We have to do the hard work of asking God to change us. I'm really excited to see what happens the rest of this series. I think it's going to be a huge blessing to us, and we're going to figure out how to uh, not keep these things on so that we don't trip into each other and we don't hurt each other and we don't lose teeth in relationships metaphorically. Right? But again, I would just encourage you guys tonight, focus on how can I renew my mind? How can I see what God actually wants and how can I change how I define all these things? We're going to have some discussion questions, but first let me pray for us. God, you are just, you've been too good to me and to all of us, God, the fact that you love us enough to die and to take the, 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 the curse and the death that I deserve because of choosing my own way and the fact that the world is broken, God, but you've come to fix it and you've come to heal us and, and bring us to life and, God, change our perception, God. It's just, it's overwhelming. 
And I, gotta, I pray that if there's anyone in this room who doesn't think that they're good enough, God, I pray that they would see that that's right and they're not. God, but I pray that they would see that you love them so much more than they do. God, and that you want good things for them and that you can give that to them, that you give eternal life. God, I pray that you would help us to renew our minds as it comes to love and renew our minds as it comes to sex and marriage. And God, please help us to not be selfish in this. Help us to not be self-focused, God. We don't want to continue to go back to the old way of relating to things. God, so I'm just, I'm grateful for you. I pray that each and every one of us would take this seriously. God, that we would be people who would, who would put this into action who would move forward in relationships in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you, in a way that is honoring to your will that's good and perfect and pleasing. So God, I'm so grateful for you, and we pray all these things for your son. Amen.